Hey y'all, it's Elizabeth Sharkey here with episode 13 of the podcast, It Started with the Zoo, Animal Ethics for the Average Person. This episode is entitled Human-Monkey Hybrids. In April, news broke of scientists who had injected human stem cells into macaque embryos. The study has divided research communities from around the world. Do the potential gains of such studies outweigh the ethical risks? Is this a medical miracle in the making or the start of a sci-fi horror film? We'll answer these questions and more today, so let's get into it. Right off the bat, I'm going to put a disclaimer on this episode that I am not a scientist. I am an undergraduate student who is studying zoology. I've done a lot of research on this topic, like all my other topics, but I am in no way an expert. I am qualified to present the facts that I've read, and I'm qualified to share my educated ethical opinion on the topics from the facts that I've read, But as always, I encourage you guys to go explore for yourself. My sources for this episode were Nature, NPR, WebMD, some university papers. So there's a ton of articles out there about this topic. So a quick Google search is all you need to find these resources. Let's begin by making sure we all understand the context of the study and how the study was actually conducted. As of February 2021, over 100,000 people are on the national transplant list. Many die on that list, given that only about three in every 1,000 deaths occur in a way that allows for organ donation. We have an organ problem. In recent years, scientists have been experimenting with ways we could potentially grow human organs. These methods include injecting human stem cells into pig embryos, and injecting human stem cells into sheep embryos to see if these embryos can actually grow human cells. These studies have not been very successful, which has led scientists to look for closer human matches. Quick pit stop. What are human stem cells? Stem cells are cells that can specialize into any cell our body needs. Embryonic stem cells are what we come from. Our stem cells specialize into livers and hearts and brains. So in theory, stem cells could help replace any human organ. Now, do adults have stem cells? We do. We have a small amount of stem cells in our bone marrow and fat, but these cells have a more limited ability to become other cells. Now, scientists have been able to turn adult stem cells into embryonic stem cells through all this gene science stuff, but honestly, that is way beyond this podcast. The gist is, stem cells are a point of interest because they can become anything, so scientists want to use them. We can get stem cells either from IVF embryos that are never used by a woman and then donated to science or from adults themselves. Like we said, these stem cell pig and sheep embryos that scientists were experimenting with were not really working. 
they were producing very small amounts of human cell growth. So scientists decided to take it a step further. They decided to study if injecting human stem cells into a closer ancestor would work better, and they chose a macaque monkey. Scientists fertilized macaque embryos and grew them in a culture. Six days after the fertilization took place, they injected 25 human stem cells into the embryos. 132 embryos began to grow the human cells, which developed into different combinations of macaque and human cells. The embryos began to deteriorate, though. On day 11 after fertilization, 91 embryos were alive. At day 17, only 12 were alive. And by day 19, only three had survived. Some note that the quick drop-off rate of the embryos suggests that they were sick and not anything that could be viable. But the study does provide researchers with more information about how human-monkey hybrids, or chimeras, work. At this point, it is very important to note a particular man named Juan Carlos Ispuiza Belmonte. Now, Ispuiza Belmonte was born in rural Spain to a farming family. They were extremely poor, and at the age of eight, he had to drop out of school to work. His mother could not read or write. When he finally went back to school, he was 16 years old, and he quickly caught up and eventually attended the University of Valencia. He had zero interest in science, but on his way to enroll in the philosophy department, he saw this beautiful building. This building changed his mind and he decided to enroll there instead. That building turned out to be the pharmacy department. Ispuiza Belmonte went on to earn his PhD studying adipose tissue, but he found it boring and ended up finding a passion in genetics and embryos. This scientist, whether you've heard of him or not before now, was not only a lead on this human-monkey chimera study, but he has also had his hand on numerous other ethically ambiguous science studies in recent years. He was involved in the human-pig chimera study that we talked about. He was also involved in a recent study with mice that may help reprogram adult cells back to their youth. Another study he did that can edit the heart disease gene out of embryos. Finally, the study that created the three parent embryos in an effort to eliminate mitochondrial disease. When I was doing this research for the podcast, I was shocked because I had heard of every single one of these studies. They're always in the headlines like the human-monkey chimeras are right now. And they always made my stomach feel a little bit sick. I just never knew that one groundbreaking, boundary-pushing, controversial scientist was involved in every single one of them. It's literally a comic book story. An unknown boy in some rural town with no education becomes a world-renowned scientist who pushes ethical barriers in hope of creating a world where the old can be young again. No one suffers from genetic diseases, and getting news of heart failure is more of an inconvenience than life-altering news. 
The entire study and the story behind it is quite remarkable, and the medical advances studies like these could bring are just amazing. Organs could be grown in other animals and harvested for human use. People would no longer have to wait months or even years in hospitals or at home waiting for an organ. The applications also extend to animal testing. Imagine administering an experimental drug to a pig that has a human liver and heart in it. We could directly see the effects of medications on human organs without having to first test it on humans. This kind of power would change science forever. It would be a turning point. While there are amazing possibilities, many are voicing their ethical concerns. The concern that many people are raising is the fact that when we inject human stem cells into an embryo, at that point, we do not have control. What I mean by that is, we do not know how they will specialize or how exactly they will interact with the other cells, in this case, the macaque embryo cells. For example, would a human heart and a macaque liver develop, or would a human brain develop inside of this hybrid? Is it gonna be a mash? We don't understand how these cells will exactly integrate. People are nervous about how much quote-unquote human will be in these hybrids because what if there's a human-like being with human-like thoughts trapped inside of this hybrid body? It's trippy to think about but the hope is that we will be able to choose what we want to happen in the future. You know, I want these stem cells to turn into a liver or a heart for one of my patients. But the reality is the science isn't there yet. And in order to understand the science, and in order to get more control of the science, we're going to have to do more of these tests, similar tests. This sort of mixed species mashes have been done before. In 2009, scientists injected human brain cells into the brains of mouse pups. About a year later, they found that the human brain cells had developed and integrated into the pup brain. And the mice with these human brain cells had increased memory and a higher capacity to learn compared to other regular mice. While these types of experiments have great possibilities in treating neurological disorders and diseases, it makes me uncomfortable. And I am curious if it makes you guys uncomfortable that we are allowing the almost mad scientists unnatural to happen. Now, I say unnatural. People may say, well, humans living inside all the time and staring at computers and making podcasts is unnatural. That doesn't appear in the natural world. Or humans using medicine and antibiotics is unnatural. Or even birth control, manipulating our bodies to do as we please. 
while they don't occur in nature and birth control doesn't grow on trees, we are from nature and we have evolved. But does that make everything we do natural? I don't know. It's hard to differentiate between studies and science because to us, something like antibiotics is so easy. It's just so part of our lives. You go to the doctor, they prescribe you antibiotics, you take it, and then you feel better in a week. Done. That's easy, and it's what we've grown up with. But when I hear studies like the injecting human brain cells into mice brain cells, mice heads, and the human monkey chimera, I look at that and I say, whoa, I, I have some concerns about this. Is there a difference? I don't know. It feels like there's difference, but I can't quite put my finger on it. It's hard to explain. I think the root of my question is, how do we tell quote-unquote good science from quote-unquote bad science? Because if we can grow hearts in pigs, that would help so many people. It would open up new doors that we could have never even dreamed of. And it would help so many people. But does that make it ethical? I don't know. Now, most scientists cite the fact that since none of these embryos are actually being grown past a first trimester or a stage where organ harvesting would even be possible, that they should be allowed to continue this research. The next step would be trying to keep the human-monkey hybrids alive longer and keep the human cells integrating in the embryo better and more effectively. My problem with this approach is that I have a lot of faith in these scientists. I think discovering how to keep the embryos alive longer and increase the human cell integration will be something very attainable. I think that's going to happen. Since I think it's attainable, I think more caution should be exercised. People are putting off these nearly impossible conversations for later. But what happens when we have macaque fetuses that have human cells integrated in their brains? Is it human? Is it not? How will we treat it? We are at the forefront of science. This is the edge. We're on the edge of the earth and we're looking down. We're literally standing right there. And I think we need to start talking about it now instead of letting scientists assure us, oh, we're not there yet. We don't need to talk. Because right now, a lot of scientists, I should correct myself, not all the scientists, are saying there are no ethical concerns right now because this has not progressed further. We ended at 19 days. There are no ethical concerns. And I think the fact that there are people out there who are saying just because this stopped at 19 days, there are no ethical concerns, I think that is very worrisome. I think anyone who is part of these experiments should be extremely cautious, way too cautious, when they're going about these types of studies. And the fact that some scientists are being nonchalant about it 
assuring me, not asking the tough questions, that is worrisome. One of the biggest things that I would actually be interested in knowing is about the culture within these scientific labs. Because, for example, I worked at a zoo for about four months. I was an intern there. And I had no prior experience in the zoo industry. And all the other interns and obviously the people I worked with did have zoo experience. So coming from the outside, I was someone who didn't yet understand the culture. For example, bringing up animal welfare issues within your zoo community, that can be really hard to do. When you start bringing up concerns, animal welfare issues, people start to get suspicious of you. It's hard to explain. Zoos are facing so much backlash at the moment. You know, we just saw Barnum and Bailey Circus went out of business after there were concerns about some animal welfare issues. SeaWorld is under a lot of scrutiny because of their orca and dolphin shows. And like I've talked on previous episodes, they've made changes, but zoos in general are getting a lot of attention. And the people who work there are very protective of their animals because there is a lot of misinformation out there. People like to throw accusations without knowing how stuff works inside of the industry. Saying that, I am someone who always questions because questioning is how we make sure bad things don't happen. Even if things are going great, I always think we should still be questioning. So when I got to the zoo community and I had questions and I was questioning about animal welfare, that was met with suspicion because one, people didn't really know me, and two, people are protective of the animals. Zookeepers invest so much time in their animals and they are not paid a lot and most do incredible work. So for someone to come in and start questioning things, it kind of brings people's guards up. You have to approach welfare questions and ethical issues in a very calculated way so as to not turn people off to you or have them get upset. And I'd be curious to know, what is the culture of bringing up ethical issues within these labs? I'd love to know how that's happening. I wonder if it's the same sort of environment where there's some suspicion when people start asking questions. I would love to know that. But from the outside looking in at these labs and the few people that I've researched, it doesn't really seem like there is a ton of questioning about the future. So that is the end of this week's episode. I want to thank you guys so much for taking a listen. And I kind of have an announcement. This is the end of season one of my podcast. Now, don't worry, we're going to be coming back. But for a while now, I've been wanting to revamp and make some changes to my podcast. So I'm going to take some time off to do that and then come back. I've only been doing this for a couple months, but I've learned so much. And I can't wait to come back with something even better. Now, remember to follow me on my TikTok and Instagram. That's at Average Animal Ethics. And if you want to send me an email, any topics or questions you want me to hit, 
That will be averageanimalethics at gmail.com. Thank you so much for the support, you guys, and I'll see you on season two.